0: Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Senya Rubinos. Senya is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, hailing originally from Connecticut, my home state, though she's now based in Brooklyn, and she had a new record come out this year called Una Brosa, her third record. It's out now on Anti, and in this chat she and I discuss at length a lot about this record. We talk about the themes that went into it, the various styles that she attempted, the sometimes rocky road to completing the record, which started at a time when she wasn't sure she'd ever make another one, and the music box melody that followed her from childhood into her adulthood that kind of spawned a lot of what went into this album. We talk about a lot of other things, too, and I've actually interviewed Senya once before, a few years back, so I think because we already sort of knew each other, we were able to really hone in on this new record of hers. So if you've heard the record, or if you haven't, thank you for listening to this chat. I think you'll enjoy it. This is me, meeting, again, Senya Rabinos. Thanks for uh joining me and hanging out today. For sure.
1: Thanks I, for inviting me.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, you have a new record. It, it's been a while since your last one, so I wanted to, you know, talk about it a little bit. Thanks. Um so yeah, for those who don't know, we've actually done this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I interviewed you. You were like my second interview ever. Wow. Um back when I was doing interviews for Anthony at the Needle Drop. Um And I was very happy that you agreed to talk to to me and not him. (laughs) Um, But now it's been some time. So now I have my own show and I'm doing my own thing. So thank you for uh, talking to me again, I should say.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, So you do have a new record, Una Rosa, coming out very soon, um, October 15th on Anti Records. How are you feeling right now in the lead up to that record?
1: It's pretty exciting and surreal after working on it for so long to be sharing it um and also to be sharing it in this climate that we're in a pandemic um is bit, is pretty surreal but um it's I've been really enjoying uh the release and um, being able to Kind of just focus on one, putting one track out at a time has been really nice. And uh, to be able to just really focus on making the work and have the time to do that and not uh, so much with the touring um, Mm. has just been really nice. And it's been an opportunity to reconnect with kind of like the craft of making it and also uh, getting to do more visuals, which is something I've always been really interested in. Um, accompanying the music with the visual side. So it's been nice to be able to spend uh, more time doing that.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, it it has kind of freed a lot of musicians up to, yeah, put almost no time into touring right now anyway. So you can't, you do have all this energy and all this time to focus on the other aspects, which maybe sometimes get, you know, kind of the the short shrift a little bit. So it must be nice to be able to flesh those out a bit more.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome. And this this record was a very, making this record was also very visually inspired uh, and was like kind of always part of the process of producing this. the tracks was kind of doing a vis- visual research and having like an archive of photos and clips um, that were inspiring the sounds that uh, Marco and I were making in the studio. So it's been really nice to be able to, um you know continue that process in the release by making videos and doing photo projects so yeah i'm learning a lot i've never made this many videos in such a short amount of time <laughs> so it's just been really nice to be able to practice that
0: yeah you've been uh, putting out singles for this record for a while now um how long has the album been done for
1: the album uh was just mastered a couple months ago so oh, okay um not that long. Um I started releasing singles before the record was complete. So I um my, the first single I released was last fall. It was like almost it's been almost a year. Um was Who Shot Ya and mm-hmm. that the record I was still making the record. Um and also I when I released did my best, I was still finishing. Um yeah.
0: Was it sort of nerve-wracking at all to release the songs before you had the full picture of the record or were you very confident in where the record would end up
1: it was actually really beautiful uh, because I the the record took shape kind of as I was thinking about um, releasing the singles and it was I don't know it was kind of I guess organic is a buzzy word but it was (laughs) it was very it felt very natural and I felt very lucky to be able to Uh, work with uh, people who were so flexible and responsive to my ideas and and it just felt so gratifying to be able to put something out when it's still hot you know Mm -hmm. so like uh, it was it was actually much of even though the record itself wasn't completed it the all of the track listing was complete Um, so I knew like what order things were going in Um, I knew basically you know each each track was pretty far along you know some somewhere in various parts of production but um yeah by the time who shot Ya came out which is the first single i released off the record i I already kind of had a very strong visual idea for the record i had the record cover was complete the out the album title was kind of like a work in progress but that idea was brewing so a lot of it was already decided um, so it was actually kind of like a really fun puzzle of putting things together, um, after the fact and, and committing, because once, once I started releasing singles, that was it. Like I had committed to the track list. I had committed to the single art and the album art and I, and it gave me limitations that were really helpful and fun to work in, um, as, as we finished. So in a way it made it easier to, to finish, um, the record because we kind of knew, you know, where everything was going.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's like an interesting, it's like a different angle to come at the album process than you've probably done before, I'm guessing.
1: No, it was completely different. It was like like doing it backwards, like deciding everything first and then, you know, kind of finishing it from there. Like basically having the constraint of your track list, of your A side, of your B side, of the visuals, of how many singles I wanted to release before the release of the record... Um, the videos like all of that um, it was just super helpful Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just such a different The it was such a I don't know in a way it was like more engaging process and it made the releases feel so much more tied to the music you know it it didn't feel like a separate thing which I think that's what often happens is like you make this music and then afterwards you figure out what's the video what's the you know album art, what's this and what's that and it kind of is it becomes a separate process where it all you know what I really wanted for this record was that for it to happen simultaneously Mm -hmm. and um and it was really fun to do that
0: and you mentioned uh Marco we should say that's Marco Buccelli your musical partner for years now Mm -hmm. um and I know that you've worked with him pretty closely on all of your releases um was it just you two who worked on this one or did you have other people come in
1: uh, we had uh, Chris Pavron, uh who's a mixing engineer, come in um, in about, I guess, a year into the process. So this this winter is when uh, Marco and I kind of finished the production of the record, um, and then sent it off to Chris to mix. And it was the first time that we um, didn't attend a mix of mm-hmm. our uh, of something that we made. So it was like a remote um, process um, and it was scary. And we've never worked with Chris before. I mean, I worked with him on Battles on the uh, track that I sang on, on but he, he re- engineered oh, okay. uh, the Battles record. Um, and I think maybe also did some production, but that's how I met him. And um, we have some other mutual friends in common, but I had never really worked with him on, on like that, that level. And he uh he mixed who shot Ya," and at that point we weren't sure like who was going to mix the the full record and we were thinking about it but it just like it was a no-brainer like after we did who shot Ya," um he just nailed it and then we kind of mm-hmm. just kept it rolling so um so yeah but the 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 bulk of the record making process was just Marco and I, um, and then I brought in a, a couple of people to play on it. Um, there's a, f- a flute player, Domenica Fossati, that plays the title track, and an incredible guitarist, Yaseb um, Tejeda, who plays on uh, "Working All the Time" and Ayombre. I was, I was gonna, gonna go ask
0: out. about. I was gonna ask about the flute on the the title track. Oh yeah, it's so pretty.
1: <laughs> She's so amazing. Domenica Fossati is incredible, flautist, singer, so writer. Um, she has her own projects and um and yeah, it was so pretty. That that piece I um had been, you know, working on it for a while. It's a it's a, a piece that kind of accompanied me through my whole life, like that, that instrumental, it's like a traditional danzon, Puerto Rican danzon, and I had only heard it on solo piano. But I just I was like, oh my gosh, I think this would sound so good on flute, and I was really nervous because I hadn't heard it on flute. But mm-hmm. She just came in and just banged it out. And, and I feel bad for her because when she came in to track it, like the track was completely different. It was really um, like loud and aggressive synth part under it that was almost like, it was extremely abrasive. And it, and it later after, after she tracked the whole thing, we realized that it was kind of out of tune, like the synth <laughs> part that she was playing to. And yet she was like completely in tune the whole time. I still have no idea how she did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yo, oh my gosh. Like, you know, it was something with the oscillators. Like one of them was slightly out of tune. Um, it was, it was a really, I mean, it was dope, but we ended up taking the track in a completely different direction. I felt so bad because I was thinking it would have been so much easier for her to play like on the version that we ended up mm-hmm. making. But, but yeah, no, she was, she was killer and she and was just so positive and, um, And was like oh yeah this melody is totally fluty it has flute written all over it like definitely we can make this yeah so yeah it was it was a treat it was a real treat
0: yeah and you know let's let's kind of start with that title track because it is seemingly um based on some of the uh the writing i've seen around this this coming record it is sort of a um i guess it, it lent kind of a momentum to a lot of what you were doing here the themes kind of like that was the cornerstone, I think, of a lot of stuff, that memory of that song. Um, and yet it is kind of an interesting way to start the record, right? Because you have this opening track, um, Ice Princess, which is just kind of this scene setting, you know, minute long, I, I, I hesitate to call it an interlude because it's in the beginning, but this sort of like entering song. And then you have this instrumental title track. Um, why was it important to you to include this? And how did it, how did it fuel some other things going on on this record?
1: The, the title track really felt like the theme song of this record and it was, it was just, uh, it felt like a very kind of dramatic cinematic opening and I, I you know, went back and forth with it quite a lot and was feeling really nervous about it and it felt like a really extreme choice to start the record like that. But at the end of the day, I was I kind of just was like, you know what, this is what it is, like this feels right. <laughs> And it, you know, you know, like if you if, if you if I would have let myself get carried away with the concern of like, who's going to listen all the way through to this and the vocals don't come in until like super far into this thing. And like, you know, if I had been carried away like that, then I would have not done it. But I think I was just thinking this is just so right. It feels like the opening to a movie. It feels yeah, like the drama is dialed way up. And it's also kind of like this bizarro moment. I I hope it's kind of like, what is this? You know, and I think um at least this is me projecting what other people may think when they hear <laughs> it. I have no idea, but that you know, that's like best case scenario, that's what it is. It's like makes you stop and be like, What? Mm-hmm. Um and but on a personal tip for me, it was just this melody that came back uh like you know, I, I grew up listening to that melody in a, a flower box that my grandma had in her bedroom. Um, it was like a flower lamp, which is the album cover, and it played that melody, "Narosa." Um, and I always remembered that melody. Um, and when I was in high school, all of a sudden, like I got this bootleg CD from uh I think it was maybe a trip that my dad took to Cuba and brought back like solo piano or maybe it was a CD that was lying somewhere in in my mom's house I don't know but I all of a sudden I was like blasting this CD of solo piano and this uh piece came out and I was like oh my god that's the melody from the flower box (laughs) and I started trying like in high school to try to plunk it out on the piano but I was a terrible pianist like and I couldn't really do it, but I, you know, I was kind of obsessed with it. And then again, like I completely forgot about it. And, and a couple years ago, like maybe two years ago, um, I was having a, a pretty rough time. I wasn't sleeping very well. And I would wake up like at dawn and one morning, all of a sudden I just heard this melody. And for a sa- for the longest, I thought that I was like writing it. I thought I was making something up. And then I realized like, oh, snap, like that's that melody. That's the flower box. And then I for the for the next two years, like including during the pandemic, I was just searching for this song and I couldn't remember the name of it. I couldn't remember who played it. I could, I just was like and then I started like going on eBay and finding <laughs> the flower box and like hoping that someone would post a video of their flower box playing that song. Like I was just and so finally I just gave up and was like, OK, whatever. I'm never going to find this, but I'm going to. I have to make my own version of this just from memory of like how I remember it. And so that's what I did. And and that's when I invited Domenica to come and play. But just like the week before she was going to come in and play, I found it. I found the original version. Um, And and my memory was like pretty spot on, was like pretty (laughs) similar to what it was. But I just decided to do my version anyway. Um, I didn't do the, the, you know, didn't do a verbatim, but it was, I don't know, like, I don't know the significance of this. It could just be a rabbit hole, like meaningless coincidence, but I don't believe in that myself. So it just, it felt very important. And I just thought um, this is significant, that this has come back to me at this time. And it seems to be a melody that finds me throughout my life. And it's like, I'm, I'm now kind of, yeah, giving it its propers and, and you know, making my own version of it. And um, it also felt really tied to uh, some of this um, kind of melodrama of um, the the first track that I'm singing on on the record, which is Ay Hombre, which is kind of a tribute to these old, like what we call cortate las venas singers, which is like cut your veins singers. Um, tradition and like the mexican tradition that my abuela like grew up listening to and like a lot of our abuelas grew up listening to just these very tragic singers mm. um singing about heartbreak and betrayal and like all those things so that, that that track was like my tribute to that tradition and una rosa really i think kind of said set it sets you in that mood you know of, like some just very romantic like melodrama is about to go down
0: yeah it- Especially the the mood of that title track is it's almost like a like a Douglas Cirque, like 50s melodrama. Like it's it is that kind of romantic syrupy, you know, like you say, something dramatic is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that definitely does set the stage. Um, and it isn't, you know, you say you don't believe in the coincidence that you just found it. And it, it is interesting that it kind of, for lack of better words, it like followed you you know Mm -hmm. this song it just like followed you from time to time from your literally from your childhood to basically now Mm -hmm. um and you say you found it what what was it is it like a piece of classical um old music like what is it
1: Mm -hmm. it's a traditional danzon um puerto rican danzon and there's a pianist jose enrique pedriera that was the the pianist that i heard um, in high school, like who was playing that that composition on piano? I still have not found a flower lamp that plays that <laughs> melody. So you know, we'll see. But I'm, maybe one day I will. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I question my memory, and I'm like, "But is that possible? Like, is it true?" But I think it is true. I think it was playing that melody when I was a kid.
0: I'm sure it was. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but sometimes it's you know your memory betrays you. Sure. But um, yeah. That's that's the piece. So it's a traditional kind of on, which was a, a kind of a dance was a style. It was kind of like a social setting where um basically young kids would kind of court each other on the dance floor kind of vibe. Mm. Um it was like a little social dance um style, traditional. Mm. That's like a terrible explanation <laughs> for it. And anybody who knows on is probably like, what is she talking about? But It was a dance, it was a traditional dance, romantic um, for a couple to get to know each other Mm -hmm. on the dance floor. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the drama and the sort of cinematic qualities um, of a lot of this record. Um, I'm curious then what what went into the writing of the record? Like what was sort of on your mind when you were writing these songs? What themes are you kind of hoping we get out of these songs?
1: To be honest, there was nothing on my mind at the time <laughs> that I was writing this record. Like, I Was it just, adding...
0: just like that sort of automatic self, you know, stream of consciousness sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it was definitely, I was digging pretty deep. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make this record, if I was going to continue making music and in what capacity I was going to do that. And I had, I was very separate from every, basically everything, but especially, um, making music and I just I felt like I was a baby like learning how to crawl or something like I li- I was just so disconnected and detached emotionally from the pro like what I was writing mm-hmm. um which you know would sound like oh man that's you know must be a terrible record if you're so emotionally disconnected and you know frankly I had I had no expectations I had very little expectations of myself to be able to do it um and Marco was so patient and like so encouraging and we would just show up to, you know, it was a pandemic when we really started, you know, like going, going into it. It was like right before the pandemic was when we really started um, opening things up again and like, you know, picking what tracks we were going to work on and um, he was just so patient and we would just show up and to the studio and I was kind of like a ghost for the longest. Mm. Um, and, but what was really interesting was that like, um, that detachment o- allowed me to do a lot of things that I wouldn't have done. Like I was kind of out of my own head and out of my own way. So literally the lyrics a lot of times were me like sitting down with a notebook and playing kind of mad libs. Like I would just write, I would have the melody and I would, you know, write um like little blank spaces for each syllable of the melody mm-hmm. and then fill them in, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe there was like one thing that I sang that sounded like a word and I would write it down and then like, you know, that's how I wrote like worst behavior and worst worst behavior is kind of like one of the more, I think kind of old school R&B pop song type of leaning tracks on the record is very easy. And that those lyrics just like came so quickly. I was like, boom here. And it was just so satisfying. Um And kind of, again, it felt like writing from a place of like, craft and unattachment and just like i think i was just trying to find the fun Mm -hmm. in it again and um but through that process i was able to also do some really deep healing and write about really personal experiences like and did my best um and like grief and forgiveness and processing and and that happened just kind of on its own you know in in the studio So I, I didn't, I, I don't think this, this record is like thematic in the sense that I sat down and thought about kind of the issues that I wanted to talk about. Um, it was, it, it, you know, I'm sure that there are themes that, that come out of it, but it's, um, I guess, yeah, they're accidental. And, and it's ironic that like, I actually think it, it may be just the most personal thing that I've ever shared, even though I was like, so emotionally detached while making it. Because, like, I was just being honest, like, you, just, it's just, I'm just there in yeah. that process. And, you know, whatever I wrote is, like, stream of consciousness or shit that was, like, really deep in there that I was flushing out.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned you were disconnected, but that doesn't necessarily... That kind of uh, mindset, I wouldn't think would inherently lead to an emotionless record, because you're you're tapping in, you're allowing yourself to tap into those like deep recesses of your memory of your mind of your feelings without really giving a shit. you mm-hmm. know. And so even though you, you are disconnected, but it then allows you to say, well, I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna say this.
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: know so that's probably why it comes out as the most personal stuff you've written and I I noticed that I mean I listened to it for the first time last night and it's clear I mean it's clearly it's very apparent that it's personal and direct and very lyrically in your face like this is what's going on in my head right now I don't give a shit Mm
1: -hmm. I'm glad that comes across
0: it does to me anyway (laughs) that's cool um you mentioned songs like did my best as being very personal um I'm not. I, I mean, I won't ask you to get into details about what exactly that one's about. I know it's about grief. You can tell it's about grief. Um, but songs like that, and there are a few more on the record that you you kind of do this, where you are talking about something very personal. And lyrically, it's very very direct. But then instrumentally, it's so dense. Um, you know, "Did My Best" is this huge, like growling, very synthetic. You know, it's not dancey at all. It's like this lumbering electronic almost industrial kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and you do this a few times on the record where your voice is kind of computerized or like layered in a way that is sort of um abstract i'm i'm wondering why go that direction versus going another direction where everything you're saying is just so clear is it i'm wondering if it was some kind of like safety mechanism or was it just that's how you felt it had to sound like what what were some of the uh the motives behind the techniques you used on these tracks
1: yeah um well and did my best that was just an accident that happened (laughs) like we were we were that track was going to be an instrumental track i thought um like that there was going to be no vocals on it and then we had the beat we had pretty much everything on the track set and i was like okay, this is going to be some like really hard hitting B synth kind of dark experimental instrumental track. But then Marco was like, why don't you hop on um, the vocoder Mm. and like try singing something? And I was like, no, but okay. And (laughs) and I was only, and and again, like I was only able to do that because I was so detached, I think, and just out of myself. Mm -hmm. And so I like literally most of the time you know, if he had a suggestion that I did, wasn't fancying, like I would, I was still able to do it and try it because I was more open because I wasn't in my own head about, you know, controlling everything or having, no, this is the way it has to be. I didn't have like these controlled outcomes, uh, that I was holding on to. So I just did. And I was like, okay, I was a little stank face about it. But I'm like, all right. And I thought to myself, this is going, this is going to go nowhere. But then I ended up writing, did my best. And, um, so I was, just playing and, and singing and improvising. Um, and that's what what happened. So that's how the vocals ended up sounding that way, just because I was singing through the vocoder and we thought it sounded cool and kept it that way. And the vocal approach um for for the the production approach for the record, um I think I just had a lot more fun um you know stretching out and kind of working in the box. And it's the most kind of digital like synthy type of music I've made.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and it comes like I wrote I finished writing basically all of it in the studio like right on the spot um so a lot of it you know I wrote whatever using different effects or hearing you know my voice in different ways and and stretching out um that way which is something that in my last two records I didn't really do I was more um the writing mostly happened like on my own outside of this you know in my own personal studio time and like um, and it, and I come from a tradition of like, if you can't play it, it's not on the record kind of thing. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, if you can't do it, it's not there. Um, and instead in this, in this um, process, it was much more like anything can happen. Anything can be there. And it was just more following my imagination. So I think, you know, that's where you get more of like just using effects um, and and like playing with different vocal sounds, but it wasn't in an effort to obscure the lyrics of of what I was saying Mm were to hide, you know, to hide behind that. It was more thinking about kind of the cinematic quality of the track and what I wanted it to say visually um, and kind of playing with that.
0: Yeah. It definitely sounds like you and Marco, maybe, yeah, maybe more than ever kind of used the studio as an instrument this time, Mm -hmm. like really playing with your toolbox. What do we got? Cause like you say, previously, maybe you've been, okay, if we can't play it, we can't record it for the record, but this is like, we're going to do everything we can regardless. We're just going to have fun. Um, Was there any hesitation going into it with regard to how you might recreate it live?
1: No, I just wasn't thinking that far. And, you know, one of the things for me of like healing and kind of um, coming back to myself or finding what my new self is, was about just trying to focus on what is in front of me like in on my present day plate and not thinking about the future so much or worrying about it so much so i just wasn't i would just literally think, okay, I'm gonna finish this track or like i'm gonna finish this other thing or i'm gonna finish this section or you know, and then it started to become you know take shape and and the record took shape and the tracklist took shape, but i was, not at all concerned about like okay how am I going to play this obviously then the the further we got into the process and like the closer we got to being done that thought came up quite a bit and I was like oh my gosh like (laughs) what am I doing how can I do this live um but it also just you know it's, it's very exciting it was very exciting because I just I was making the music that I wanted to make and I see it you know as a separate process like the live show it is a, it should be a separate thing mm-hmm. you know and um and I'm taking my time with that and the pandemic for better or worse has helped <laughs> like give me more time to figure out what I want to do live which I'm very um yeah it's it's a big it's almost like making the record all over again you know it's yeah. like it's a very big undertaking and uh I, I want to do something new that challenges me and that's that's different just like this record did you
0: know um so yeah and i mean they are two different things i mean there are so many people so many bands and artists who do something on the record that they just simply can't or don't feel like recreating live and they they change it up for the live setting it doesn't mean you won't be playing these songs but Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to like recreate the studio -mm. So, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting, I would think, to say, okay, well, I sort of reinvented what I do for this record. Now I have to kind of do it again for the stage.
1: Right. I think there's a lot of obsession about that, too, about like having to sound exactly like the record. And I understand why that is. Uh, But I think, you know, in Black Terry Cat, we did that quite a bit. Like we really wanted it to sound like the record. We really wanted to have all of the every single part, every single thing. And sometimes I think it actually. Um, kind of was a detriment to the music and the performance. And I think um, it took, you know, like a year of touring it to kind of figure out, okay, what is really necessary here and like what's important about this music and how to play it. And um, it's a complete, it's just a different uh, animal. You know, it's a live performance, like with, with other human beings in front of you and, beside you and you know there's there's a physicality to it and people are looking at you and it's just so many different aspects and I think uh what I'm hoping for is yeah to just be able to explore like movement and dance and the theatricality of it and those are things that I haven't been able to to do and that's always a struggle because you want to I also really have fun playing instruments you know Mm -hmm. I'm always like oh I would just won't play it I'll just you know other people will play it or like, oh, well, you know, we'll play tracks and play some of it or but then I'm always like, oh, but it's so fun to play that part, you know, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> so that's always a struggle. But I feel like I I, I am uh, hopefully growing a little bit and I'm less obsessed with the like, I think I was I was very obsessed with Wanting to play everything, you know, yeah. and wanting you to see everything being played on stage, you know, and as as if somehow like it were someone was an inferior artist if they didn't play their stuff or if they played your tracks and the, and I completely don't think that, you know, um, anymore, but at some point, to be honest, I did at some point I was like, oh, but they're just singing to tracks like who cares, you know, but I think yeah, it's, it's been a long, it's been a long time, <laughs> it's been many, many years. Um, and music has evolved and I've evolved and like, I think there's just, there's so much potential, um, and so many things you can do in performance that are so interesting that are not necessarily about you, you know, playing bass or playing a, a keyboard line.
0: Yeah. And I mean, especially with this record, there's so much going on at any given moment that, if you were to perform a lot of these songs live, you would need like 10 hands, you know, like, <laughs> or like a huge band, then that gets really expensive. And it's just like, maybe, yeah, maybe you need to just kind of say, okay, well, screw it. You know, X, Y, and Z are going to be played on a track. We're going to play A, B, and Z, you know, like, and sometimes that's okay because it is a different thing. And if people go, especially with a record like Uno if people go expecting to hear it live, it, it almost doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because it's such a studio record Mm -hmm. it's so it's so electronic you know it's so like you say it's so digital there's so much vocoder and layering of like eight of your voices and auto-tune here and a synth there that's crazy it's like so -hmm. much going on so I think it would make sense that you'd be like okay well now how do we do this in a live version not like how do we recreate it
1: hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of potential for it to be a theatrical experience, mm-hmm. um, to be a visual experience, to have a performative aspect to it and for that to be really important, just as it was in, in like making the record,
0: you know? Yeah. And I, I've, I mean, I've read a few things that the cinematic quality really was important. There's like characters here and there's different mm-hmm. points of view here. So that, that gives you a chance to kind of have a lot of fun with the live setting, I would think
1: hmm I think
0: so. Costume yeah. changes. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yes. Less synths, more costumes.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, who, yeah, who needs to play the music? <laughs> Let the track play. Go change your costume.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, I also really like how with this record, you know, you you use a lot of these techniques that are kind of popular in popular music right now, like synths and program beats and uh, autotune and vocoder, but, like, it's such an abstract record at the same time. Um, I feel like you're using all these fundamentals of current, the current landscape of pop music and hip hop and jazz and trap and like kind of everything rolled up into one. And then you're like, but it's also none of these things
1: <laughs>
0: because it's like, it's a, it's like a subversion of these things. It's like, we're going to, we're going to give you all these elements that you think you like in, you know, X, Y, and Z songs, but we're doing our own version.
1: Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, on. Like, I wanted to, for example, I really wanted a song with like foghorns. Not that that's like anything <laughs> new, but that's one thing where I was like, we're having a track with foghorns. And Marco's mm-hmm. like, okay, noted. Like, <laughs> and it almost didn't happen. But then I was like, oh my gosh, it's here. It's the foghorn moment. Like, oh, geez. That's um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> or like, yeah, singing with autotune is just such a blast. You know, it's like, I had maybe too much fun. I don't know. <laughs> too much auto I mean, that's it's not like the whole record. I'm not it's no, not it's like not. a TV and moment. Like, but I did like, yeah, I did have a lot of fun singing about it. And
0: then you have like the closer, which is kind of like almost like this weird spacey lounge song. Mm. You know, like I, I took it as almost this like late night in this nightclub on like the moon. Like, you know the lights are coming down the night's ending and then you get that little reprise of of the of the opening song so mm-hmm. it is it is kind of a full arc i would say
1: yeah i i'm really proud of the track listing and kind of the, the journey it takes you on it feels good um that last track was kind of uh the most stripped back of uh-huh. all of the record so it's kind of a i you know i like I, I knew once we were producing that track, I knew that that would be the closer. And um, and I like to think about the last track of an album being kind of like a proposition of where we're going or like a question of like where I'm going next. And, um, and I liked that because it was kind of like that song, it's called What Is This Voice, mm-hmm. is, is a meditation on kind of finding my voice and like trying to listen Literally, my I was just in the studio and I was like, "Okay, try to sing without singing. Just sing as if you were speaking. Just like try to listen to your own voice and and hear what it sounds like. But like don't do a style. Like don't put anything on. Don't do a character. Don't do. Just try to. And was really it was really frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the the lyrics are. Is like well, who is that? You know, it's kind of like a voice that I hadn't heard before. It sounded really out of control. Um, it was really hard to sing because it was so out of control. Um, and I, yeah, I struggled with that vocal a lot. Um, we were about to hand in the record to mix and that night, I think it was like three o'clock in the morning. Marco was organizing files and was like playing, like bouncing something on that, on that, um, project. And I was like, I hate this. I hate the <laughs> vocal. And he was like, what? I was like, it sounds out of tune. Like it sounds not in We went back and forth about it a lot. It was like a really tense moment because literally we were about to press send. And I was like, no. (laughs) Um, I was like, but it sounds out of It was kind of, you know, like it's like I don't have my makeup on, kind of, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so we we refined it a little bit, but we mostly left it as it is. And um, I liked that feeling of kind of having this track that's kind of coasting along. It's very easy and it's a meditation and it's and my voice is very kind of just stripped back to what it is after this whole journey of like you said before you know processing my vocals and playing with effects and uh characters and all these different things it was like just kind of a nice palette cleanser to end on
0: yeah and and hearing you describe the sort of thematic undertone of that of that closer and what you like to do with the closer does remind me of your last closer how strange it is mm. um you know just that questioning thing like well, what are we all doing here? And, this, and then this one's more like, what am I doing here? You know, it's like, what am I doing right now? Totally. What is this voice? Like, literally, what is happening? What is this voice?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's interesting. I've never, I've never uh, really thought about the closers on on this record or the last record that way. But I think that's a really interesting way to look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch upon one more thing that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I read. In the lead up to this uh this record and 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 thus this this chat was um i think you're talking about did my best here when you're saying as you listen back to the track you realized that you remembered that this is why you sing so a lot of what you're talking about so far and then a lot of what is in like you know the press materials for this record is that you were having trouble reconnecting with music, and you had just told me that you were having trouble kind of finding your, your way back into music if you even wanted to. So what was it about making this record that made you remember, okay, this is why I do it?
1: That moment was just, I mean, it's kind of inexplainable. It's kind of it sounds so corny but it's like you just get that feeling like my the the hairs on my arm stood up you know and I was like oh like I just got chills Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of I guess the the best way I can explain it is like a plant that just wants to live like even if it's in a bad condition like you didn't water it or whatever but then all of a sudden I don't know maybe the main stem dies but then there's like another little part that comes out on the side it's like nature it just wants to live it, it's just going to do its thing and it and and I feel like yeah that's how it felt about making music and singing where I was like oh I don't know the ways in which this works as a career like I don't know the ways in which I want to you know Continue to tour in a sustainable way, or like, I don't know what my place is in, you know, like the music landscape out there, or like, I, I don't know so many things, but I know that this feels so natural and so, uh, right and so important in this and to my spirit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's not separate from who I am. It is very much who I am, you know? And it's not about like, oh, my job is an architect or my job is a writer or my job is a musician. It's not like that. It's it's a, a spiritual thing where even if I were to decide today to never share my music publicly, I would still make music. Yeah. And And I think that was the realization that I had. That was like, oh, this is actually, this is why. <laughs> this is why yeah, you yeah. do it because it's like very, it's just it's a spiritual practice you know For and sure. like getting getting back to that kind of the root of it was just uh so important and um and also i think what did my best was like healing it was a healing moment that was another answer it was like oh you do this because it's healing you
0: yeah you know? um do you feel reconnected to music now or is it still a complicated relationship?
1: I do I think that the the what I realized is that I was never disconnected to music. Mm. Um, I just thought I was, but I, I wasn't. like I think um, yeah, I think I am definitely more connected to my spirit. I am in my spirit, and that's where my music is. And so I definitely am in that in that sense um and i think that the disconnect or like the question remains uh about the logistical end of mm-hmm. doing all of the things that i love to do and how to do them uh and and like you know making making this work yeah um, and how to and how to get it made so i think those are questions but but the most important, uh, like disconnect or question that I had about like me as a musician and like me not being a musician, like that's not, it's just not a thing. Like not yeah. there's no question about that. Um, and it was really scary because I had never questioned that. I was always like, yeah, this is what I do. Like not doubting you. Like I had never, it was really shook me to my core. Cause I was like, wow, I had never considered not doing this.
0: Yeah. And you've been doing it for a while now. So I could imagine that being kind of a stunning moment.
1: Yeah. I was kind of like, Oh, I'm nobody. If I don't do this, who am I? I'm no yeah. one, you know, because like, basically every relationship that I have in my life is, you know, due to music in one way or another, on almost every relationship. And even that was like a humbling kind of moment where I was like, Oh, though, like, realizing like, Oh no, 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 no. Actually people, like I have people who love me just for me, not because I'm making music or, you know, it's just like, I have family who loves me. Like, even if I don't make music, you know, or like if I never did a song again, they wouldn't care, you know? like Right.
0: And um, it's not, it's not like you'd like stop being friends with Marco, for example.
1: Right. Exactly. So like, but that was a, that was a humbling moment where I was like, if I'm not this, am I worthy of like love or like, who am I? Like, I'm like, I have no idea who that person is, you know, and, and people like, I'm going to be disappointing people and like, people have like, a, a vision of what, you know, you are, you know, or like, just even your friends, like on a very, you know, I'm not talking about like people on Instagram yeah. or something. Yeah. I'm just saying like, <laughs> like, the you know, people in your life, <laughs> you know, people in your life, they have a, they they have a, you know, everybody sees you in a different way, right? Yeah. So like, and a complete like your, you know, family member and your friend or your lover, like they all see you in a completely different way. But and those all, all of those ways are you, and none of them are you. You know, and like, um, I guess it. I was very, yeah. It was like a moment of reckoning of like, oh shoot, I'm about to like kind of kill that vision of like of me as this person out here like making music and doing performing and singing and doing this thing what if I, you know, she's gone? Like, what if she's not here anymore? Like who, who else is there? And you know, what I'm left with is like a world of possibilities. Like now that I've gone down that road and been like, Oh, I could be so many things like, and that's actually <laughs> like really freeing and beautiful. Like, yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going next, but I'm definitely, I definitely know that I'm going to be with music like forever. Yeah. It's you know, like, part of who I am in in one way or another,
0: you know? Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's like, you say, you maybe weren't actually disconnected. You just thought you were. So it's almost like Mm -hmm. this re realizing of that, like the fact that you are so intrinsically tied to the music you make and that it's okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that's like everything else. It like, doesn't really, you know, the math it's like, you know, just a a thing around it, you know? Mm. Um, but it's just super important to my spirit to to make music.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the many reasons why this record is so clearly you making the music you want to make. Because it is, I mean, it's it's pretty aggressive in some parts, and then it's pretty soft in other parts. There's a lot of really really blunt emotion. Like you were just like we said earlier, kind of just saying like I want I'm gonna do what I want to do, and it, this is it. Like take it or leave it. Yeah. So that rediscovering probably helps with that a bit, I would think.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I I wasn't putting any. <laughs> I wasn't putting kind of any expectation into
0: it. Yeah, you weren't trying to do a, a thing.
1: thing. No. no. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. You were just doing. I was just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. cool, though. It was. Um,
1: awesome.
0: There's also a lot more uh, Spanish on this record than there has been. Um, Was that important to you to kind of start bringing that into your music more? Cause I know you've done it before on like Ultima um, and a couple other tracks, but there is more in the, in the lyrics here um, than ever. And it also seems like this traditional um, Spanish music, the Puerto Rican Cuban traditional songs that you've mentioned already in our chat have kind of, driven you in some directions here was it was it important to you to kind of merge that into your work a little more this time around
1: yeah I think you know on every project I'm like on a different you know I'm on my tip I'm like tripping out on something and I think (laughs) this time I was tripping out on um a lot of the music from my childhood yeah and I had been listening to like traditional rumba a lot I was like obsessed and that's where um the, the single I just released um came came from was like just a deep dive into my passion and my love for Rumba, and just doing my own interpretation of it. Um, incorporating like clave, singing in Spanish, not really, you know, worrying about like what, you know, being consistent or like, is this about, is everyone gonna understand? Like in Black Terry Cat, I was very much like, okay, this is everything needs to be in English, like I want everybody to understand. And I was also kind of more in like a hip hop exploration sampling Mm -hmm. jazz kind of moment um and in this record i was definitely um very inspired by um, a lot of like traditional cuban rumba like the puerto rican danzón the old crooner you know uh, amalia rodriguez like style um singers like these larger than life personalities and and so yeah that a lot of that tradition is, is is in this record and like I think um it's the that's kind of like in terms of the musical theme I think in there is like me playing with that and messing around with that it's not in every track it's not every single you
0: know
1: yeah. thing on the record but it's I think it's very present um so in a way it's like my most I guess quote-unquote like Latin record yeah but <laughs> I I, time,
0: like, I know you've also had some consternation with people trying to throw that label at you in the past though
1: mm-hmm.
0: which like, I totally I totally understand because they they throw it at you re- almost regardless of whatever you're doing
1: right that's what that was my problem and like I think I really struggled with that and I think that was a also another moment I don't know if it's a moment of reckoning. That sounds so dramatic. I'm so dramatic. (laughs) I'm like, it was a real moment of reckoning. Like, whatever. It It was a growing moment of kind of coming to this music and being like, I spent so much time being like, don't put me on the Latina show. Like, don't. Yeah this is not Latin music. And then here I am like playing clave and singing in (laughs) Spanish and like doing my version of rumba. So again,
0: it's your version, as you just say.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, can I do that? Like, you know, it's almost like I had to give myself permission to Mm -hmm. do that after. Because I was like, I've been so like, don't call me that. And then here I am. out the woodwork like this (laughs) so it was it was really hard for me um to give myself that permission and say girl you can do whatever you want it really doesn't matter um Mm -hmm. and kind of knowing the context behind my feelings at the time when I was really going through it and like in terms of being pigeonholed and being labeled as like latin music when I felt that was unfair. Um, and it was just because of my ethnicity, like, and I know what it is and I know what the context is. And the difference between then and now is the scene has completely changed. Like it's insane, you know, the difference is that, you know, like Fegeton is mainstream, that there's 3 million different, you know, up and coming artists that are doing all different kinds of music that are, mm-hmm. Um La- there's like the Latinx, you know, movement or or idea of what that is, or like redefining, like it's such a different panorama, you know, and it's like pitchfork is another thing, like
0: yeah.
1: it means something else. Um, all of the all of the you know places that I used to to look at um to, to find out about music, like they there are people who look like me on there now that do all different kinds of music and it's just not, a, it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. nobody's worried about it. And that just wasn't the case, like straight up, you know, and it makes me feel like a dinosaur, but it hasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Like, <laughs> no, it really,
0: what did <laughs> ma- magic tricks came out in what, like 20, 2010? 08? Uh, no, it was um two
1: thousand
0: thirteen. Thir- wow, I'm so off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's good. That's even less time ago. I mean, it's yeah. like you've only been releasing records for less than a decade, and already the landscape yeah. has changed so drastically.
1: Completely, like completely.
0: And I remember yeah, when Magic so. Tricks came out, and
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: there's there is there are a few Spanish tracks on that record. Ultima is half Spanish, but it's you know it's yeah. in Spanish, and yeah. but then there's songs like Hair Receding that are so not the quote-unquote Latin music, and they're still like, oh, this Latin album. Yeah. You know? It was so frustrating.
1: And it was really just, I just felt like it was a way of minimizing me, and I also felt like, I'm like, this is why we can't have nice things. I'm like, this <laughs> yeah. is, you know, I'm like, this is such bullshit. Like, yeah. I just want to be on, you know, the the regular NPR show, <laughs> or like the regular KXT show, or, you know, I don't want to be on the Latin show. Like, why yeah. can't I be on the one that everybody else
0: is on? It's kind of like when you know? they try to make, like, it's almost like that well-intentioned thing where music festivals or film festivals or whatever are like, we're going to do only women this year. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's great. But like, you don't let us into the normal one.
1: Right. You know, so like,
0: <laughs> why, why should we go to this one? It's like relegating you to the kids table almost.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what it <laughs> felt like. And, you know, again, now there's a completely different landscape you know yeah. but the truth is like i ne- i just did, wasn't fitting in and i'm just not going to and that's fine you know and like it's just not <laughs> it's it's okay you know yeah. um i just i think i was thinking about all of those labels and like white supremacy and racism and didn't have the words for it at the time and it just wasn't in the culture like it is today Mm -hmm. and I think maybe I I rubbed people the wrong way or I came across like being angry about it and like too much or I don't know but that's just what it was I know the context of it um so it's a completely different you know road now um and I'm so grateful for that I'm so 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 grateful um and I'm so grateful to see like some like a lot of my peers um that I came up with at the time, like thriving out here and do making the music they want to make and you know, being celebrated as they should be. And yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a it, it's a good feeling. But um, but it definitely it was a journey to like be like, okay, I can make this music though. Like just because I'm like, stop calling this Latin music, like doesn't mean that I can't make <laughs> quote unquote something that i would you know describe as like a more latin leaning
0: yeah it's also such an enigmatic weird term anyway Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: what does it really mean because the people who came up with that term probably don't have any clue what that would mean
1: Mm -hmm. it's kind
0: of like the ongoing thing at the grammys how they keep like relabeling the categories Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) because they can't because it like they're like oh wait maybe this doesn't make sense urban album like what the hell does that mean you know like you know it's such a larger picture than that
1: yeah,
0: it is. But it sounds like you've kind of come full circle with your own feelings, with your own work, and also kind of the landscape of music in the making of this record.
1: I definitely think so. Yeah. I definitely think that that's in there, for sure. Yeah.
0: I think it comes across, too. That's dope. Um, okay, so we've arrived at the dreaded um, lightning round of my interviews. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's just three questions. I just like to end with because ending these is always weird. And I was like, I'm gonna do a lightning round. Um okay. So the first question I have for you is, um, what is an instrument that you wish you could play?
1: Upright bass.
0: Oh, that's a good one. You you do play like electric bass.
1: I play it okay. I play with one finger. I get by. <laughs> um, I don't you have can much. play upright
0: bass with one finger. Why not? <laughs>
1: that's true. <laughs> but yeah, that's I've always wanted to play it. I've always wanted to learn.
0: Yeah, that's a. It's an underrated instrument and underused Mm -hmm. underused in popular music for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is one of your, if you have any, uh, personal rituals?
1: Um, Personal ritual. I, I like lighting a candle. Hmm. So like set a, a moment of intention, like when I'm working, or I could even be sending an email that's important. I like I like lighting a candle or lighting Palo Santo or something like that.
0: That's a ritual. That's nice. That's un- that's also underrated. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh wait. I think I only wrote down two questions. You might be getting okay. off. You might be getting off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot to write down a third one. Hmm. Oh well. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure no one will care. It's fine. <laughs> I got off easy. You did. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Senya, for talking to thank me you. again. This is I know, like I said, I've talked to you before, so I really appreciate you talking to me again. I think this is the longest I've talked on one of these things about just the new record, and I think that's because I've talked to you before.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but that's nice because we I feel like we really got into it and that I really did. Yeah. And I think hopefully people will uh get some perspective on this record because it is it's a big record. You know, I think I think it's your longest record, if I'm not Oh, I actually
1: haven't checked that.
0: Yeah, I feel I might have I might have seen that. I think it's your longest record, at least by a little bit. And it's it's, you know, it's a it's a heady, dense record, but I think there's a lot of good themes kind of going on there and i think it's nice that we unpacked some of those thank you yeah thank so you for I'm having e- me of course i'm excited for everyone to sweet. hear it um in case you all forgot it is called una Rosa, comes out october 15th on anti uh thank you again senia very much for talking to me thank you sweetheart <laughs> have a good rest of your day
1: you too